Hope everybody is ready for what should be a really fun weekend in college football, right? All summer long, we're grinding, we're waiting. It's for weekends like this. We got Tennessee, Florida. We got Arkansas, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I'm intrigued by a game like Michigan State, Minnesota, which we'll discuss later on in the show. But fun weekend, exciting weekend, and excited to get you going here with another episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Before we get started, a couple quick announcements. First, want to thank as always, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook, okay? I've told you about them the last few weeks. Uh, they are present, a presenting sponsor of all things Aaron Torres Media, the Aaron Torres Podcast, and of course, here, college football betting with Aaron Torres. And what I love about them is a few things. One, they've been around forever. 1967, started in the UK, over 1,600 shops in Europe. They are one of the most credible, reliable sportsbooks in the overseas, uh, excuse me, overseas in Europe is what I should say there. And they have come to the U.S. and made a huge splash. Not only the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media and College Football Betting, they are the gambling presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, if you saw Joe Burrow's press conference earlier this week, he had a Betfred logo in the background. Presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their betters than anybody else in the market, okay? Just this past weekend. Uh, Denver Broncos game, home opener. What do they do? Huge tailgate for Betfred betters and Betfred VIPs outside of the stadium. They threw a watch party for Arizona Cardinals fans in Arizona, and they do more than anybody, and they're doing more for betters of college football betting with Aaron Torres, okay? First of all, any new user, any new user, bet 50 bucks on any game this weekend, any game you like, Michigan State, Minnesota, Iowa Rutgers. You want to bet that Iowa Rutgers game? Bet 50, get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Also, remember, we do the Aaron Torres pod, Aaron Torres boost in the Betfred Sportsbook every Saturday. If you took advantage, you got Washington minus three and a half at plus 110 last week. Washington made us all a lot of cash. So look out for the Aaron Torres uh, boost. I can tell you right now, I'll tell you at the end of the show what it's going to be, but Betfred is our presenting sponsor. So happy to be working with them. Really quickly, Bracket Fanatics as well. Uh, the NFL Pick'em Challenge, the Aaron Torres NFL Pick'em Challenge. Uh, you can go to BracketFanatics.com, join group Aaron Torres, or Torres, I should say, T-O-R-R-E-S. It is not too late to sign up for our NFL Pick'em Challenge. $100 cash prizes every week, $1,000 season-long cash prize. If you have not entered, it is not too late. Hop on in right now. Go ahead, take advantage of the Aaron Torres NFL pick. You could be entered to win that $100 cash prize just this coming week. And of course, the season-long total as well. Finally, in terms of uh, announcements, make sure you're following on uh, YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, you can see my lucky dice shirt here. Always got to wear it when I'm uh, talking college football betting. And of course, you can subscribe there as well. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. With that said... Let's get to what should be a really fun week four slate. Like I said, all of the conferences are underway in action, and we have some really intriguing conference openers across college football. Let's start in the horseshoe, okay? How lucky are Ohio State Buckeyes fans, first of all? It's not even the end of September. This is their third home night game since the start of the season, fourth home game overall. Open with Notre Dame. Played Akron last week, or, or, or uh, Arkansas State. I'm thinking of Akron because they played Tennessee, who we'll talk about in a minute. Played Arkansas State, Toledo last weekend at night, and I think you saw the final score of that one. And now they host Wisconsin in the Betfred Sportsbook 
Ohio State is up to an 18-point favorite, 18 and a half as a matter of fact. The over-under is set for 57 in this game. And I think what's interesting with Ohio State, you know, this is what we love about college football, the ebbs and flows of a season. We saw them a few weeks ago against Notre Dame. Struggled to move the ball. What was going on? Are they not that good? Was it Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury? Then they get Arkansas State, put up 45 points. Then they put up 77 points against Toledo last week. Uh, it was one of the great offensive performances that we've seen in college football in a long time. Second most total yards in the history of Ohio State football came last week against Toledo. And so when I look at this Ohio State team, one, the offense is obviously humming. And what I really do like about this Ohio State offense specifically is that they are running the ball very effectively, which I think is important. Now, Travion Henderson left last week's game. He is expected to play this week. But just in general, what one of my criticisms of Ryan Day is I do think at times he gets too cute and too reliant on all of the interesting and plays that he draws up. And we know he's an offensive genius, okay? You don't always need to show it off. Sometimes you just got to run the ball right at the other team. And that is exactly what he's been doing. 207 yards per game rushing on the ground this week. But what I would also say about this Ohio State-Wisconsin game, what is intriguing to me, this very much could be the best defense that Ohio State plays all year. Now, we'll find out in the coming weeks because they still have Penn State, who looked really good defensively last week at Auburn. They still have Michigan. There's a lot of season left. But remember with the Wisconsin Badgers, okay? Remember last year, that historic Georgia defense that we all love so much, five first-round NFL draft picks. Never forget. It was actually Wisconsin that led college football in total defense, fewest yards allowed. And that tells you what Jim Leonard is doing. Jim Leonard is their defensive coordinator. He is a candidate for the Nebraska job. And if he wants to be a head coach, he will get a gig really soon because he is that good defensively. And so I'm just really intrigued by how this defense handles all of that talent at Ohio State. Right now, Wisconsin, they're not quite as good as they were last year defensively, but Top 20 in every major category, number 11 in total defense, number eight in scoring defense, number 13 in rush defense, number 19 in pass defense. Remember, last year that team was really talented. They fell early because the offense couldn't score. Well, fast forward, the defense was elite last year, and they look very much to be the same this year. And again, I don't claim to be the X's and O's Savannah. They're going to do, you know, too high safety here, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how they plan on slowing down Jackson Smith and Jigba and that Ohio State offense. But I do believe that if anyone is equipped to do it, uh, Wisconsin is. I know that historically these teams, you know, they haven't played in a while. Uh, but in the 2019 Big Ten Championship game, they did slow down Justin Fields in Ohio State. So it's not to say that they're going to slow down and stop Ohio State, but had success a few years back. It's obviously a completely different team. No Justin Fields, but C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming with two touchdown catches for Ohio State last week. So this Ohio State offense is rolling, and we're going to see them against a really elite defense. Now, on the other side of the ball, I think it's just as intriguing because last year with Wisconsin, when they struggled early, what was the problem? We know what it was. It was the offense. It was the ability to pass the ball specifically with Graham Mertz. Well, Graham Mertz, I wouldn't say has been elite this year, but he has been a lot better. 71% completion percentage, six touchdowns, two interceptions. You compare that to last year where on the season, this was a guy that completed somewhere in the neighborhood of 59% of his passes. So Graham Mertz has come a long way. But again, 
in the biggest game of the year against Washington State, in which they lost 58% completion, 18 of 31, two touchdowns, one interception. And so again, have has Wisconsin played anybody noteworthy in three games? New Mexico State, Washington State, Illinois State. Uh, the one power five team that they played, Washington State. They could not move the ball. They struggled. Graham Mertz struggled. And I'll be curious to see how they do against this Ohio State defense. Listen, I could break down the stats with you on Ohio State. I do think over the next couple of weeks, though, we're going to learn a lot more about them. Now, to their credit, under Jim Knowles, the defensive, new defensive coordinator who came from Oklahoma State, they've been really good. Number 21 in total defense in college football. And in terms of points allowed, I mean, they're really doing an excellent job allowing about 14 points per game, which is in the top 25 in all of college football. But what I would also say is I think we're going to learn a little bit about them this week, and we're certainly going to learn about them in time. That Notre Dame game where they were dominant on that opening Saturday of college football week one, were they that great? Or as it turns out, is Notre Dame's offense just that putrid? So I think we're going to learn a lot about Ohio State. Uh, but I do think what I will say in terms of the Betfred Sportsbook, I don't push my picks on you. But when I have them, I will share them. I actually do like in this game more than trying to take Ohio State, you know, minus the points or Wisconsin plus the points. I do think the over under 57 is very interesting. I think this is the best defense that Ohio State will face all year. I think Wisconsin will struggle to move the ball. My official Betfred pick is Ohio State, Wisconsin under 57. Don't try to push picks on you, but I do like it there. This is the best defense that Ohio State will play for some time. And I do think, I know they scored 77 last week. I do think this is going to be a little bit more low scoring. I think Wisconsin in that crazy night environment at the shoe is going to struggle to move the ball. Give me the under. If I did have to make a pick, all my picks, by the way, at AaronTorresOnline.com. Let's go to another super intriguing night game where the atmosphere should be bananas, okay? So Arkansas is playing Texas A&M at Jerry World. Right now, Texas A&M is a one-and-a-half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook, over under 47-and-a-half. And I'll just tell you this, that atmosphere is always insane. Now you give those Aggies and those Hogs all day long to, you know, do what college football fans do when their teams don't play at night until at night. That place is going to be crazy. I hope Jerry, I hope Jerry World and, and Jerry Jones has some extra security for that game because it could get wild inside Jerry World. As I said, Texas A&M, a slight one and a half point favorite. And I, I'll just say this, uh, you know, I do wonder, obviously, after everything that's happened with Texas A&M, Arkansas looking pretty good, although they had that scare against Bobby Petrino and Missouri State the other day. I do wonder if the wrong team's favored. And let me explain why. And again, don't push picks on you, but but here's what I do think. So I do think it, this one's pretty straightforward. This is going to be decided in two places. One, on the defensive side of the ball for Texas A&M. It's going to be curious to see if they can slow down that Arkansas rushing attack, okay? Arkansas, listen, one thing I love about Sam Pittman, one thing I love about Arkansas, they have a brand and we know who they are, okay? One thing that drives me nuts about college football teams, they're switching schemes, they're switching coaches, they're doing this, they're doing that. They never get an identity, right? Think about Nebraska under Scott Frost. One year, they're great on defense, but can't move the ball. Next year, they're great on offense right now, but they had to just fire the defensive coordinator because the defensive coordinator is terrible. And I know Scott Frost is gone now, but there's just never been an identity with that team. One thing I love about Arkansas we know what their identity is. Sam Pittman's like, we're, I'm an offensive line coach. We're going to line up and we're going to run the ball right at you 
And we're going to see if you can stop us. So far this year in college football, against some pretty decent teams. Nobody's been able to stop them. Right now, they are in the top 10 nationally in rushing. Rocket Sanders has been an absolute monster. Number three in rush yards on the season. And remember, Arkansas has played three games. There's teams out there that have played four games. Rocket Sanders, number three nationally in rushing yards. This is a guy that has 440 yards on the ground, seven yards per carry, three touchdowns already this season. And I think it's going to be interesting to see this to see him against this Texas A&M front. And I think this is a big week for Texas A&M because, look, I get that they won last week against Miami, and that was a great win for them, and that was a win that they needed. And my stance on winning, I don't care how you win. If you get a win against a top 15 team like Miami was, I don't care how it happens. You got the job done, and we need to give you credit. What I would also say, though, is if you watch the game, and we all did watch the game, we also know the truth. That Texas A&M offense, which we're going to get into in a minute, was not great. But the defense gave up some big yards as well, okay? Miami rushed for 175 yards on the ground, five yards per carry. And so on one side of the football, I do think that's very interesting. You have an elite rushing attack against a defensive front that just is not getting the job done right now. Ranked 83rd nationally in rush defense. That's with all those five stars, and I know they're most of them are freshmen, and they're young, and they're this, and they're that. Well, they're getting game reps, and they're going to see maybe the best offensive line that they'll see all year long in the Arkansas rush attack. On the other side, and this is where it gets interesting, how do you beat Arkansas? Well, of all people, Bobby Petrino kind of gave you the blueprint last week, didn't he? You throw the ball, you throw the ball a lot, and you make Arkansas make plays in the secondary. And Arkansas could not do that last week. Bobby freaking Petrino walked into Fayetteville. And Arkansas got the win and credit. I don't care how you win. Bobby Petrino in his passing offense, 357 yards passing, almost eight and a half yards per completion. They threw the ball all over the field against Arkansas. And again, that's where I worry about Texas A&M. Again, styles make fights. We talk about this all the time. Styles make fights. And that Texas A&M pass offense has not been good. Now, it obviously looked better last week with Max Johnson. I get all that. Good for the Aggies. But they also, at the end of the day, they got the win. We got to give them credit. But you just watch the game. They finished with 140 yards passing, okay? And so, yes, Max Johnson is more stable. I think he's more comfortable. I I don't think he's going to make the mistakes that Haynes King is going to make. But on the flip side, it's not as though he slung the rock all over the field. Now, I will say... Those two five-star freshmen were out last week because of suspension. They're both back. We know that Evan Stewart is one of the few bright spots in the passing attack early in the season. He's only played two games. He does have 10 catches uh, for over 100 yards in those two games. You also get Chris Marshall back, and Anaya Smith has been awesome. So we'll see if this passing attack will be better with the two freshmen in the lineup. But I got to tell you, don't tell you how to pick, but two key advantages. Arkansas's run offense against Texas A&M's rush defense, Arkansas's pass defense. I don't know if they can be exposed against Texas A&M. My official bet Fred pick is Arkansas plus one and a half. Don't tell you how to bet. That's where I'm going in this one. One game that I will tell you, we'll take, we'll do one more big one. Then we'll get to a commercial break. Um, One more big one that I'll be real. I really just don't know what to make of this game. It is the Florida Gators 
hosts, uh, visiting, I should say, the Tennessee Volunteers CBS Saturday game. We're all excited. Everyone wants to watch that one. How about the point spread in this one as Tennessee, a 10.5 point favorite, the over-under set at 62. Now, I will say, little bit of money is creeping in on Florida. Uh, they, the, they opened as an 11-point underdog. It is now down to 10.5. But this is one, man. You know, in some ways, you think there's a lot of advantages that go to Tennessee. In another way, we all love college football. Does anybody feel confident with Tennessee as an 11, 10 and a half, 11 point favorite? I don't think most people do, including Tennessee fans, by the way. We have the Torres on Tennessee account. Those guys, my buddy Jackson, who runs it, does not feel very confident. So fascinating game. And again, you know, what's cool about this time of year, I'll just say in general, you do kind of have a feel for who teams are, how they play, what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, okay? So with Florida, I think we all kind of know the deal, right? We loved them after week one against Utah. They've struggled the last two weeks, lost to Kentucky, struggled with South Florida. And I think we kind of know who they are at this point. Anthony Richardson was a great story to open the college football season. But I said it on this show. I said it on the Aaron Torres pod. I said, I'll be curious if teams can keep him in the pocket, what ends up happening? Well, we have a pretty good idea. Rush for 106 yards in week one against Utah, combined to rush for 28 yards in the last two weeks in the past game, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. So I'm not great at math, but that is not very good for Anthony Richardson. And I do think that is going to be key to this game. I do think it's going to be very interesting to see, can Tennessee keep Florida bottled in and keep Anthony, uh, keep the, 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 I should say, um, the, the, the run game bottled in, but then more importantly, Tennessee has done a good job early in the year of making plays in the defensive backfield. Top 25 rush defense, and they have 22 tackles for loss through three games. Now, again, they played Akron. They played uh, Pitt. Pitt Pitt was a competitive game that they easily could have lost. But they've played Akron. They've played Pitt so far this season. And also on top of that, played uh, Ball State, excuse me, in week one. So, again, Tennessee, another team we're going to learn a lot about. Are they that much better? Are they that much improved? Or has it been the competition? But what I will say, we focus on the pass offense for Tennessee. We focus on Josh Heupel, the, you know, throwing the rock all over the field, head and hooker. That defense, that defensive front is making plays, and I give them a ton of credit. Now, on the flip side, what do we talk about? The other side of the football. Florida has been pretty good so far against the pass. And by the way, I, think, I don't think you need me to tell you that Tennessee is an elite passing attack. But Tennessee so far this season, uh, throwing the ball all over the field, uh, you know, top five nationally in pass offense. They are unbelievable under Josh Heupel, how good they've been. Hendon Hooker, by the way, uh, I saw this stat. It's incredible. 42 touchdowns, two interceptions since he's been named starter. 42 touchdowns for Hendon Hooker, two interceptions. It shows you how good he is, how dynamic of a playmaker he is, but how well he takes care of the football. I said it in the offseason. When they made that change, it's no secret. They took off with him under center. If he had started the pit game, and then remember, he got knocked out late in the Ole Miss game, they might have won, what, they won seven games last year? They might have won nine games a year ago. So they are now at home. They're throwing the ball all over the field. And I just think it comes down to whether or not Tennessee can make play, or excuse me, Florida can make plays in the secondary. Again, another thing that we will learn. We know how these teams want to play. It's a question in some ways of whether the defenses can stop them. 
Florida so far has been really good defensively in the secondary, but the bottom line comes down to, have they been good or have the pass offenses that they've played just been bad? Week one, Cam Rising did throw for over 200 yards against them. Week two, and I've said this on this show consistently, Mark Stoops tends to get conservative in big SEC road games. Got Kentucky to win, so I'm not criticizing. Will leave his 202 passing yards, only 24 attempts, the fewest attempts of the season. And then last week, you play Gary Bohannon from South Florida, who is not a passing quarterback at all, 116 yards passing for him. So at the end of the day, I don't know if Florida has a really good pass defense or if they just haven't played very many good quarterbacks. And so this, to me, I'll tell you, I tell you if I like a game, I tell you if I'm going to bet it. This is one, no thank you. I am staying away from this one in a big way. I do think Tennessee probably wins. But again, I don't know how good that run defense is. Can they contain Anthony Richardson? By the way, Montrell Johnson transfer from Louisiana Lafayette with Billy Napier, 100 plus yards on the ground last week. I don't know if Tennessee's rush defense is that good or they've just played bad competition. I don't know if Florida's pass defense is that good or they've just played bad competition. Good first segment of college football betting with Aaron Torres. So what we're going to do, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to hit on the other intriguing games. There are so many games that are fascinating to me this weekend. Minnesota undefeated against Michigan State. All the money coming in on Minnesota. We'll talk about that one. Also, Clemson Wake, um, Auburn, Missouri, on and on. There's a lot of big games to talk about. We will discuss all of them. That is going to be right next. All right, everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's wrap the show with the rest of the week four slate. I do want to start this second segment with not one, but two games out of ACC country. And let me just say this. The first one, Clemson Wake Forest. Let's just call a spade a spade. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be transparent. I have absolutely no idea what to make of the Clemson Wake Forest game. Clemson, a seven-point road favorite. It was at seven and a half in the Betfred Sportsbook. It is down to seven, the over-under 55 and a half. One thing I will tell you, I think we're going to start to get an answer to the question that Clemson fans and those of us who cover Clemson have wondered all offseason. Is DJ Uyangalale the guy at Clemson? Listen, you look at his stats from this year, right? Last year was just, it didn't go well. I hate to say it. He was a big part of the problem for Clemson. Completes 55% of his passes, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And I think if you just look at the stats from this year, you say, oh, he's getting better. 64% completion percentage, closer to 65%, five touchdowns, one interception. Just one problem. Most of those stats came against Furman. An FCS team, 21 of 27, 231 yards, 78% completion percentage, two touchdowns, one interception. The two FBS opponents that he has faced, Georgia Tech, 19 of 32, one touchdown. Louisiana Tech, 17 of 29, 221 yards, one t- two touchdowns. Well, guess what? If you're the Clemson quarterback, you're supposed to do at minimum what DJ did, let alone exceed what DJ did. And so I think we're going to start to get answers here because what is interesting to me about this DJ deal is one DJ against the good teams hasn't been great, but two, it's also very interesting. I don't think I've heard anybody talk about this. Dabo really isn't letting Cade Klubnik loose. And, and what I wonder is a couple things. Is he trying to protect Cade or is he trying to protect DJ or is Cade Klubnik not, not ready? Because remember about four or five years ago, 
when the Trevor Lawrence thing happened. It's easy to forget this now, but Trevor Lawrence as a freshman, he played major snaps early in the season before he eventually replaced Kelly Bryant. Played in the second quarter, in the third quarter, when games were close. I vividly remember him going on the field at Kyle Field in a close game against Texas A&M. Well, fast forward, Kate Klubnick is only going in late in these games when the game is very much over. So it does, does Dabo have a trust in DJ? Does he want to protect DJ? Or is Kate Klubnick not ready? I think we're going to start to find out about it. Beyond that, what I would also say, I think we're going to start to find out. We, we, we should find out about it. And this is a game where DJ should be able to move the ball because this Wake Forest defense isn't very good, okay? So last week against, uh, against Liberty, Liberty had over 450 yards of total offense against this Wake defense. Uh, the only reason they lost, they turned the ball over four times. And the week before, Wake gave up 25 points to Vanderbilt. Well, if Wake Forest, if, if, if DJ can't move the ball against this Wake Forest defense, then I'm sorry, it is a bad sign, and it's probably time to make a quarterback change. On the flip side, I'll tell you this, I think we're going to learn a little bit about Wake Forest as well. Sam Hartman is back. They run the ball really, uh, they run the ball really poorly. They throw the ball really effectively. But what's interesting is this Clemson secondary has not been great early. Currently, as we record here, heading into week three, week four, excuse me, they gave up 311 yards through the air to Louisiana Tech last week. They are currently ranked in the bottom half of college football and pass defense. Well, you let Sam Hartman stay in that pocket. You let him feast. He is going to make big moves. Again, until we get clarification, is DJ improved? Is he not the guy? Is Kate Klubnick the guy? I can't comfortably bet a Clemson game. If I had to take a chance, I would say take Wake Forest plus the points at home. I think a big road, a big home favorite is always a smart bet. But man, oh man, I cannot bet this one. You know what game I can bet? You know what game I have bet? Notre Dame going to North Carolina. North Carolina, this open as a pick. It is up to North Carolina minus one and a half. The over under set at 55 and a half. And I'm just here to tell you, listen, this isn't a dig at Marcus Freeman. This isn't to say that he's terrible. He's not the guy. He's this, he's that. What it is to say, what is the truth is this. Notre Dame's just not very good this year. And you know how we know Notre Dame isn't very good? Not just because of the one and two record. Not just because of the loss to Marshall at home. It's because of the fact that Brian Kelly left last year when Notre Dame had a chance to make a playoff. He realized, he saw what the problems were with this team. And some of them were self-inflicted, right? He just didn't recruit well enough. He just didn't develop well enough, whatever. But he saw that this team wasn't close to being a championship team. And now Brian Kelly leaves. There's a coaching change. Marcus Freeman, first-year head coach. We start to see that this team just isn't that good, right? So what's interesting to me about Notre Dame is that we can blame Brian Kelly for whatever. And I think most people know I'm kind of a Brian Kelly defender. But the one thing he did do at Notre Dame, he found a formula that worked specifically to Notre Dame. Get those big, bruising, physical offensive linemen. Might not get elite wide receivers. Might not get elite defensive players. But you get those offensive linemen, you put a competent quarterback behind them, and you run the crap out of the ball. Well, whether it's because of injuries on the offensive line, an injury to the quarterback, but they weren't moving the ball with the quarterback, the loss of their best wide receiver and running back, Notre Dame cannot move the ball this year. They rank 114th nationally in total offense. That's behind Texas A&M. 
you know the offense is struggling when Texas A&M is putting up more yards per game than, than you are, and that is the case at Notre Dame. What I would say on top of that, and this is important here, is Marcus Freeman stays. It was Marcus Freeman's defense. The defense isn't playing that well either. Now, part of it is they're just on the field more because the offense can't make plays, can't get stopped, uh, you know, can't move the ball, whatever. But Notre Dame this season gave up 395 yards to Ohio State. Okay, not terrible. As a matter of fact, it's actually pretty good. But then they gave up 351 yards to Marshall and right around 300 yards to Cal. This defense, again, supposed to be Marcus Freeman's strength. They can't stop anybody right now. And they can't stop other teams from moving the ball. And it doesn't help that they can't move the ball themselves. And so when I look at Notre Dame, when I, when, I'm just going to say this for right now. It's week four, September 22nd, as I record right now. I think this is going to apply for any game Notre Dame plays the rest of the year. Keep this in mind as you go through your bets. I don't, if, if a team can put up somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 points, if they can put up 24 points against a middle of the pack Notre Dame defense, I don't think Notre Dame can beat them. I don't think Notre Dame can move the ball enough to score enough to beat anyone with a real offense. Okay. Couldn't do it obviously against Ohio state. No shame in that. Couldn't do it against Marshall barely survived against a Cal team. That's kind of like, eh, whatever. Now you're going to North Carolina. Keep in mind, North Carolina hasn't played at home since week zero. They haven't played in a couple of weeks. They had a bye week last week. And one thing North Carolina does, they move the freaking football. Top 15 in rush offense, Drake May, the quarterback, brother of Luke May. Many of you college basketball fans know that name. 11 touchdowns, one interception. North Carolina can move the ball. I know the defense hasn't been good. I don't think it matters in this game. I think North Carolina puts up somewhere in the neighborhood of a minimum 27 to 31 points. I think they stop Notre Dame because Notre Dame can't move the ball on anybody. And I think North Carolina wins this game convincingly. It's not officially in the sports book yet, but this will be our Betfred boost. North Carolina minus one and a half. If you like this bet, download the Betfred Sportsbook app because you're going to get boosted odds on this one. Really quickly, one more big game, and then we'll wrap the show with a couple quick hitters. A game that I am like, Super intrigued by Minnesota at Michigan State. Another one open as a pick'em. It is now Minnesota on the road against Michigan State, which was just ranked in the top 15 last week. Minnesota on the road, open as a pick. It is now Minnesota minus three. The over-under is like 51. It's down from 51 and a half. It is at 51. And what I'll say about this, what I'll say about Minnesota is this. Minnesota, remember how I just said a minute ago about Arkansas, Sam Pittman, and I said, Minnesota, or I said, Arkansas, credit them because they have an identity. PJ Fleck has taken it to another level at Minnesota. Okay, this is what Minnesota wants to do. They're in the cold weather. It's outdoors in Minneapolis. They want to run the ball right at you. They want to chew up clock, and they don't care how ugly it is. They just want to win by running the ball at you and passing as little as possible. Now, this year, the offense is scoring so much that it's kind of putting it into uh, whatever. But for, this year, first of all, the offense has been really good. 38 points, 52, 62 against Western Illinois, 49 against Colorado. They haven't played anybody. But why I bring this up, this is their blueprint. This is their MO. This is who they are. Number two in rush offense in college football right now. Minnesota is number two in rushing offense so far this season. 
They rank number one in time of possession. And oh, just for good measure, they're number two in total defense as well. Now, part of the total defense thing, they haven't played very many good teams. They haven't played anybody good. New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado are all terrible. But the fact that they run the ball at you, take time off the clock, I think that's a fact. I also think what's intriguing about this game, Michigan State's really interesting, and I'm not sure that they're good. Now, look, this is my preseason bias coming in. I was not as high on Michigan State as most people. I told you that when we did the over-unders and the Big Ten East preview. But at the same time, you look at this Michigan State team. What, be, what would be concerning to me, yes, they're 2-1. and one. I get all that. I understand it. And I get that they beat Western Michigan 35-13. They took care of Akron, and they lost last week to Washington. A couple things were concerned. One, that Western Michigan game was close into the fourth quarter. They got destroyed by Washington. That secondary that was terrible last year doesn't appear to be that much improved. Washington threw the ball all over them last week. But what's more concerning is there's just been inconsistency across the board for Michigan State, and I don't think you know what you are going to get from Michigan State week to week. Run game, really effective early in the year. Had 42 rushing yards, 1.4 yards per carry last week against Minnesota, uh, against Washington. Excuse me. Now you're going up against the number two rush defense in college football. Good luck. Peyton Thorne really struggled early in the year. Then last week had three touchdowns, one interception in the toughest road environment. You know, one of the tougher road environments he's going to play in all year. So my concern with Michigan State is just inconsistency. I talked about P.J. Fleck. I talked about Sam Pittman. They have an identity. They have established something. Then you got teams like Texas A&M. Texas A&M's all over the place. You got a team like Michigan State. Some days they're good in this. Some days they're not good. Some days they're this. I can't comfortably bet it. Or excuse me, I can't comfortably say that Michigan State can't be competitive. I do like Minnesota, though, in this game. I think this is one, especially with that rush defense. Michigan State needs to establish the run. I don't know that they'll be able to. All the money has come in on Minnesota, and I think it's with good reason. Really quickly, just wrap on a couple other games. You know, first of all, the Michigan-Maryland game. Uh, that is the big noon kickoff game. Michigan, a 17-point favorite. I have no strong opinions on this one. J.J. McCarthy is the guy. We now know that. I don't think there's anything you can definitively say about Michigan. Now, I give them credit. I think it's hard to go out and score 50 points three weeks in a row against inferior competition, and they did it. So I don't want to discredit Michigan. But I also can't sit here and say, oh, they're awesome. They're this, they're that. If I had to take a guess, I would lean Maryland plus the points. We know they can score. Um, how tested has Michigan's defense been? Hawaii might be the worst team in college football. UConn, my alma mater, by the end of that game last week, was down to a true freshman quarterback who was the backup. Top two running backs were out. Top three wide receivers are out. So Michigan really hasn't played anybody. I could see the scenario where Maryland keeps this close for a half or in deep into the game. Um, Baylor, Iowa State, Iowa State, or Baylor, excuse me, another team that I was a little bit lower on coming into the year. They're a two and a half point underdog. Really no strong opinions there. Iowa State, I know they just took care of business against Iowa the other day, but what does that really mean? Speaking of Iowa, did you see this, by the way? Iowa is playing at Rutgers. Iowa is a seven and a half point favorite. The over-under is 34. I don't ever remember an over-under in college football featuring major programs that low. Can't bet the game, won't bet the game. Uh, Rutgers has quarterback issues, injuries to both their starter and their second string. As I record here, nobody really knows. So that is a definite stay away from me. 
you know, Texas, Texas Tech is kind of interesting. Texas, a seven-point favorite, 61 is the over-under. Just as I started to record, saw news that Steve Sarkeesian says Quinn Ewers will dress and travel. Cannot imagine that he is going to play with Oklahoma in two weeks. I just can't imagine that they're going to rush them back. Uh, Texas, of course, uh, the offense has looked much, much, much different without Quinn Ewers and with Hudson Card at quarterback. They struggled last week until late in the fourth quarter against UTSA. So that one is a stay away to me. Another one that I'm just going to stay away from, late night, Pac-12-ish after dark. Can we call it Pac-12 after dark with USC involved? But a ton of money coming in on Oregon plus six. It is down to or Oregon State plus six, excuse me. It is now Oregon State down to five and a half against USC. Listen, I got burn betting USC against Fresno last week, so I am going to stay away. A lot of money coming in on Oregon State, though. Utah, 15 and a half point favorite against Arizona State after they just fired Herm Edwards. Probably lean Utah there. But no real strong opinions outside of the ones that I gave. My best bet of the week is North Carolina minus one and a half. Uh, and I also do really like Minnesota and the under in the Michigan State game. All right, I think that's it for this week's edition of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Appreciate all of you guys and girls listening. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page. You'd really be doing your boy a solid if you did that. Uh, we'll probably have the gift card giveaway to get more people involved later on. But if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. That is all for today's show. I appreciate you guys. I should mention I appreciate Betfred Sportsbook, the official presenting sponsor, first-time users. Bet 50, get 250 on any game this weekend. Also, the Aaron Torres boost, baby. That is right. It will probably end up being North Carolina minus one and a half, so look out for that. But that is all for today's show. I will be back next week to preview. How about this? Week five of the college football season. Cannot believe we're already here. We'll talk next week.